Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to close out our season with the 2021 year in review where we get to reflect on season three of the Wandering DMs Sunday talk show and think about uh, where we've come from and some of our favorites and some of your favorites and uh, what we're going to do in the new year, Paul. Yeah, yeah. For those uh, who maybe are new to the channel, uh, we we go on a little break at the end of the year every December, give ourselves a little uh, time to uh, refresh and uh, visit family and just uh, 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 ignore the show for a week or two. So uh, we will be <laughs> we will be offline uh, after this show uh, until the new year. Um, yeah, so it seemed like a good time to, uh, and of course that's yeah. the season break, right? That's uh, we will. This is the right. end of season. Mm-hmm. Three? What season are we in? Correct. Is it three? It is, <laughs> season, it is season three. three. We are ending season three today, Paul. And then we're going into so, our uh, gotta pay our upkeep costs, gotta <laughs> heal up, that's right? right? Gotta learn new spells, gotta level up, Go basically, Paul. And then we'll come back yeah. at at level yeah. four next month. Okay. 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 Sounds good. Sounds good. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm of course immediately reminded of uh, of doing this in Warhammer Quest, where you have to roll on charts and you might die. You could die on your way back to town. You might not survive. You know, traffic's traffic's pretty heavy at the moment, so uh, be be safe out there, kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Don't try. Right, so we're, we're going to review season three. We've we've done a lot, right? We're yeah. up to what episode is this? Forty seven. We did forty seven episodes this season. Uh, or 46, 47. Are we at 46? We're 46. I miscounted. We are at 46. Yes. Yeah. Very good. I'm just getting everything wrong today. It's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our friend Ash is telling us, Hey, there's always a chance of death. And I mean, we are very committed to that. We are very yep, committed absolutely. to that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so gotta be uh, safe. Great, great. So we got a little slideshow here of some various images from past episodes uh, going while we while we chatter. Maybe that'll uh, spin up some some interesting memories. Uh, that that looks like the cave fisher art from our uh, very recent uh, episode on uh, the more monsters know what they're doing with Keith Amon. Right, one of right. our few wonderful. Guests. I mean, correct. You're right. You're right. Big yeah. thanks to Keith for showing up, and and of course that's uh, art by Errol Otis, which I personally love. Um, and so, so you know, actually, one of our biggest shows right there was uh, this was the fiftieth anniversary of the Chainmail game, which obviously, mm-hmm. with its okay. fantasy supplement, spawned um, uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons and the whole fantasy role playing game industry. So, one of our uh, most mm-hmm. watched episodes and we don't have to talk about every single image that pops up as it pops up here. yeah yeah that's fine but that was that was one of our biggest uh, most watched um uh, episodes of the season that's back in episode 15 when we reviewed 50 years of chainmail and i think one of the things from that episode is i still pull up my my bound copy of chainmail on a daily basis 
to look at uh, bits and details of rules and how they influence later stuff and where the germ of a particular rule came from, including stuff like the fact that when you retreat by default, you get back attacks, right? Someone gets free attacks as you retreat. That's still in fifth edition today, and that comes directly out of a chainmail rule. So um, for, for some people, that's a little bit of an unknown quantity, but for me, chainmail is something I refer to practically on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, Dan is certainly the more hardcore historian of the Wandering DMs duo. Uh, I, I certainly lean on you, Dan, often for uh, when when did this rule appear? When 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 did this come from? Um, but it definitely a, a, a strong interest to us and viewers of the show. Um, uh, so much so that uh, you know we we love getting guests like John Peterson. Hey, look there he is on the uh, or his book anyway up on the up on the slideshow there. Um, that was really cool. That was very exciting to get to talk to John. Um, John is such an enormous uh, work. credit to the to the to the hobby. And and just this morning, I learned I learned something new from John. I mean, I, I guess I learned one thing from him uh, in a, in a personal uh, note a week back, and then I learned something else from a YouTube video that he that he put up. Uh, so I'm still learning stuff from John. He, he if if I get stumped, I have to go email John Peterson. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically where my information comes from now is I troll boards and books. And then when I'm totally stumped, I ask John and he kindly tells me what's going on. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. yeah so to have we've had, we've had a, a bunch of great guests uh, in yeah. season three. Um, and I think we had almost like 20 guests uh, over our 46 shows. And we had people like John. We had people like Griff Morgan, who told us about his work with uh, the Secrets of Blackmore project. Um, and we are getting more information from him. We had Jonathan Tweet, Luke Gygax, talking about Gary Khan, of course, Ethan Gilsdorf, Janelle Jaquez, one of our favorites, Tim Kask, Satine Phoenix, Matt Finch, James Malajewski, again, one of our, there's Satine right there. Um, James Malajewski, again, one of our return uh, repeat friends that we had on the show there. Uh, Jim and Pruitt from WebDM. We had Bob Brinkman and Julian Burnick from DCC talking about their Dying Earth product. Uh, Peter Bebergall, uh, Mark Greenberg, Peter Atkinson, of course, the head of Gen Con. Uh, Tim Woods talking about his Green Knight RPG. Michael Curtis. And then just last week, we did have Keith Amon on for the second time to talk about his product. More! M-O-A-R, more <laughs> monsters know what they're doing. Of course, there's James Malajewski right there, one of our good friends. I have an anecdote to share. You mentioned uh, Jonathan Tweet being on the show. Um, and I'm sure it's no secret to the guests that, uh, or that our viewers, that, that uh, when we have guests on, uh, we often uh, like to promote their, their latest work. And he was working on a reprint of his Everway RPG. Uh, I think it was in Kickstarter when he was when he was on our show, mm -hmm. um, and um, you know uh, the the funny thing is I didn't know a lot about that project honestly. I personally was a little in the dark, and and as he was describing it on her show on our show, I was like, this sounds like exactly the kind of game I would like to play. Uh, so I immediately hopped on and backed the Kickstarter, and just just a couple weeks ago got the books. Here they are. Uh, I have to say I'm gonna a slight <laughs> slight critique here. They're enormous. They're 400 pages <laughs> each for the player's guide and the uh, and the game master's guide, uh, and then of course also this. Oh, just show it here. This uh, lovely, uh, gorgeous deck of cards that it comes with. Uh, really, really nice, like gold, 
Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! They, Holy moly! They're they're gorgeous. They're really they're really something. Yeah. Still want to wow. super want to play this game. I'm very excited to try it out, but I'm a little intimidated by the page count. To be honest, that's that's a bit much for me to invest just to to try a new game is to get through 800 pages of text. Um, so that's, uh, uh... hoping to do it. <laughs> well, hoping to do it. I'm doing some traveling soon, so maybe I'll bring those along with me and see if I. Can. Make my way through them, uh, yeah. And if and if you're mugged, fight fight the, fight the person <laughs> off so that you don't die. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe that 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 counts as the treasure I should drop on my way as I'm fleeing. I can drop that treasure, and <laughs> maybe the monsters will stop. Isn't that that's in BX? You know, I, I was just I was just hearing. <laughs> I think last night the story of uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, once went to a uh, in his second campaign. I think. Once went to a, uh, uh, a campaign to uh, uh, a speech for the campaign, and he had mm-hmm. uh, he's a little bit verbose. He had seventy pages of um, speech in his breast coat pocket, and someone tried to assassinate him, <laughs> and he got he got he got shot, and it and it and really? he was actually bleeding. Yeah, and it but it went through the seventy pages of his speech, which slowed it down enough that he what that he did the speech. That he still stood up. And opened up his breast coat and said dramatically, "They're trying to stop us, but we're not going to be stopped." As he's bleeding through his speech, right? So I feel like the, the Ever- if you carry around the Everway books like that, Paul, yeah, I feel yeah. like it probably stop like an assault rifle. I would think. <laughs> I think you're in pretty good shape. Jeez, jeez, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Well, ho- hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But uh, yeah, right. I'm yeah. hoping to uh, open to page through the thing. It sounds like a fun game. I'd love to try it out. But yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of text. I don't know. I'm personally a fan of the more concise. I for me, and this is probably just because I grew up on BX. But that 64 page count that is kind of the sweet spot for me for a rule book. I 64 that. pages. I hear that. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Yes. If you told me there was a 48 page rule book to something, I'd be pretty into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose there's a too short. Is there a too short? I don't yeah. know. I have. Um, we played on stream at some point. We played. Um, um, we played uh, the che- cheat your own adventure. Did we play that on stream? I think we played that on stream. Absolutely. Maybe not yeah. this past yeah. year. Maybe I was a longer ago than that. I think that might have been the that, very last thing we did in season two, actually. Okay. That clock's in at a big four pages booklet. So one one printed yep. physical page folded yep. in half. Yep. Uh, I'm not upset about that. <laughs> and my, you know, my house, you know, my house rules for original D and D, they're the, that same size, and I can hand one sheet of paper to players, and even yeah. if they've not played a role playing game before, they they do successfully get started just with that. As a matter of fact, yeah. yeah. Now we should say, you know, viewers, if you have uh, favorites in the last year that we're not talking about, you know, feel free to throw that in the chat um, and uh, jog our memory about something that. Um, yeah, we we should be doing a callback for today. Um, yeah. Do you have a personal? And I have a couple. I, what one of the forty six? What's what's the top top episode of the uh, list of forty six? And you're like, that was that was a good damn episode. Paul, uh, they are now. Frankly, I don't know about this one because we're not done with it. It could go completely off the rails. It'd be freaking terrible. Number forty six. So I'm just going to count right. the other forty five. 
Okay. I mean, so far it's going pretty well. But, let, but for the other forty-five, Paul, I mean, I've got I've got forty-five children, and I can't I can't pick can't, I can't pick can't. one of them. But I will say that um, for for my for my D and D purposes, I feel like one of the most important ones for me was the sweep attacks uh, discussion. Hmm. So back in episode eighteen, you and I were talking about uh, what we call sweep attacks in classic D and D original. And Chainmail in first edition and second edition had this rule that when fighters fight one hit die creatures, they get as many attacks as they have levels. So if I'm a ninth level fighter fighting orcs, I get nine attacks every round. And uh, I that's a rule that I honestly resisted for many years. It's a little wonky, but um, as I continued to explore that on my blog this year, I, I did become convinced that it's a really incredibly core mechanic to how classic D&D is structured. In particular, the, the fact that all the one hit die humanoids show up in 100 or 200 or 300 or 400 at a time is specifically a counterbalance to that particular rule. So either way you go, if you're playing classic D&D, you either have to honor the sweep attacks rule or you have to change all the numbers appearing. Like in BX, they did that, right? In BX, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Moldvay, Dave Cook, they did actually throw out that rule and massively reduce all the monster numbers. Uh, and I, I now feel that that's the single biggest distinction between original D&D and basic D&D. It's a huge difference. Hmm. But I, I, I've, th this, this is the year where I finally accepted that that's an important part of original D&D. &D. And if you're if you're playing by the book, it's going to be there. Now, you know, did, did you know all this stuff prior to doing the episode? Or was it just the fact that we did the episode that forced you to do the research that in turn, um, you know, led you to led you to this? Us doing the episode was an important step on me doing more research later on. So our, our discussion with you and with our viewers helped me do more stuff. So just in the last couple of weeks, if you go to my blog, which is uh, Delta's D&D Hotspot at Blogger, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been presenting my conclusions about that. And in fact, Paul, if you go to um, go to our uh, our callbacks um, images, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like one of them are these, there's these two graphs. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a look in at In the that. callbacks folder. So this is what I, I put up on my blog, I think just one or two weeks ago about the sweep attacks. And the top graph is the action in the original D&D wilderness without sweep attacks. And what you see there is a bimodal curve. Um, and the, okay, only on wandering DMs would you hear someone say this. Notice that the x-axis is logarithmic. <laughs> Notice the x-axis is all logarithmic me measurement. Of Dan, our, our viewers just dropped dramatically. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Is there an internet outage? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're all still here. Uh, you. I think I read that in some important physics book once. Um, yeah. But you, so, as far as total danger level, you see there's these two humps. Is about half of the encounters are at the level of 50 total hit dice, and about half the encounters are up at like 500 total hit dice. So it's basically this coin flip that makes a mm. times 10 difference in the encounters without sweep attacks. And, and statistically, when you see a chart like that with two spikes, you, something's kind of sketchy. The bottom graph is if you'd actually do honor the sweep attack rule and then bam, hey, kind of looks like a normal curve. 
Yeah. And that's, that's organic and that's reasonable. And the encounters are all around 40, 50, 60, something like that total hit dice and at least makes sense. So to me, the, those two graphs with either two spikes or one spike that's basically a normal curve, that's the thing that finally convinced me. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so a couple of folks in the chat uh, are calling out the dungeon design dash. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, as a as a awesome. as a uh, as a favorite, and uh, so we have actually some exciting news about that. Now, before we say, I will say, I'm really yeah. glad people like that because that was one of, yeah. that was one of my most fun episodes, and I was really hoping to do more. So yeah. I'm I'm delighted to to hear that's that that's good for viewers because I was really hoping to do more in the new year. Me too, me too. I really enjoyed it. Um, I still would like to uh, beat the challenge. Right of actually uh -huh, right. fit the whole thing into one episode. And as uh, viewers, yeah. uh, for, for those who don't know, uh, we spent two episodes basically taking a dungeon map and stocking it, uh, and just kind of showing our methodology and seeing if we could complete an entire one-page dungeon in uh, a single episode. The answer was no. It took us two, but we got it done. <laughs> we got it done. Um, and then, and then the news that that I'd like to share is uh, it took us much longer than we expected. Uh, apologies for that. But the idea was to then nicely format up the um, the output, the end product, and uh, distribute it. Uh, so uh, we've just pressed the oh, button yeah. on. Yep. Uh, on uh, Drive Through RPG, so this will be up on our Drive Through RPG. We have a brand new Wander DMs publisher account over there. Um, we will be. Um, I think this is up there for a dollar. And uh, any patron, uh, any active patron, uh, once this thing goes fully live, will be receiving an email for a free copy. So, uh, patrons, make sure that your emails are uh, correct in your Patreon account, and you will get an uh, email for a free copy from DriveThru of our Dungeon Design Dash. Yeah, Paul was just working on that just in the last hour, actually. So we were uh, dotting some I's and crossing some T's, and we wanted to get that out to people as a, uh, as a Christmas gift to our patrons. There you season. go. There you go. Yeah. So, and, of course, the uh, title of it... If you're if you're listening to this in audio form, uh, the title of that on uh, drive through is WDM01, the asymmetric monastery of the deranged berserkers. Yep, which is a great yep. title. <laughs> I, I'm 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 pleased with the WDM01 moniker, which implies that there might be an O2. So let's let's make that happen That's in uh, season four, shall That's we? The plan. Yeah. Yeah, great. I should great. say that the viewers were like a big help while we did that, right? So we got input and, you know, a couple times we're like, should we do this? Should we do this? And the viewers gave us an idea. So uh, I think it's a, a, a group project and it certainly makes sense that we all uh, we all benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. So sure. if and if people run that, tell us what happened because we want to know. Yeah, you know, it's been suggested that we should do an actual play of it. And maybe we should make that Well, that's that a good idea. Yeah. Or even two, where where I where I run it and Paul runs it separately, and we compare to see we'll compare the, notes. The, that they that, that they're not going to look anything alike. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. I feel like we could we could maybe do some really clever editing there of uh, of like somehow cross cut <laughs> between the two actual plays. Dan and Paul react totally differently. Uh, for the, you know, interesting piece of history about us is that we did once co-DM a game, a campaign. You and I both behind the yeah. screen, and uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, we um, you know we maybe didn't uh, 
didn't talk out all the ramifications ahead of time and, and discovered mm-hmm. some of the uh, rough spots uh, the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> which yep. was we did. We did. And there was also a whole lot of encounters in which there were two NPCs who were kind of argumentative for a long time. And the players would, would be like, hey, what's going on? Well, this is going on. Like, no, it's not. You didn't know that. How would I know that? You didn't go there. Right. Or argumentative, self-argumentative ettons or things like that. And at some point we decided we should probably remove it from the table and like make a make a YouTube show out of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Dan, why am I looking at a picture of the cyclone? What what, what is okay, what so that was... just have to do with our show? <laughs> well, I mean, A, that's nearby where I live, and we I try yeah, to go yeah. do that once a year and uh regret it every <laughs> come away all busted up. I'm like, My god, why did we do that again? Um but that is the that's the image that I used for the Dungeon Design Dash, actually. So if you go to the thumbnail for episode 34, I just used that as a... And, and I, of course, I, I put that up in advance, and I was thinking, this is going to be a little bit scary, and I don't know what's going to happen, and we might get hurt. So I felt like it was on <laughs> We might get hurt. That's great. Oh, dear. Uh, fortunately, uh, we did not get hurt. We, we did not. We did not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, geez. Okay, with the dungeon design dash one uh, off the table, I think I think that probably would have been my pick for my my favorite in terms of just you know putting them yeah. together. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip through my list through the list here and try to remember uh, if there was a personal favorite that I can call out. Um, now, while Paul's doing that. Um, let me, let me say this, uh, uh, you know, like on episode 38, uh, I think a little bit before Halloween, we did an episode on vampires. And actually, I, I, the, to begin with, I was like, can we do a whole hour just on a single monster? And the answer is yes. And in fact, we probably could have gone longer. Um, along the way, you know, at one point among like literary traditions that, that inform some of what our play is like, we mentioned uh, the, the author Anne Rice who, of course, wrote the very famous interview with the vampire and Queen of the Damned. And sadly, we did get news this morning that Anne Rice uh, passed away last night at the age of 80. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, so uh, I'm personally uh, sad about that today. Uh, she will be missed. Um, and she was certainly on my mind while I was preparing for this episode. Hmm. I actually was not aware of that myself. Thanks, yep. Dan. Hmm. Sorry, I wanted to, wanted to call her out, you know, has, has, has made a huge influence on, you know, the, the literature of, of vampires in the, in the popular culture. Yeah. And I felt like yeah, for sure. you probably recognize that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, um, tangential to this, I don't want to go very deep on here, but of course the other show uh, on our <laughs> channel uh, or one of the other shows on our channel is my actual play of, uh, 10 Dead Rats, which very much features uh, some vampires and some vampirism. Possibly one of the player characters is turning into a vampire. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. I was picking out, you know, I was picking out possible clips for the show, and actually I, my hand went to, oh, yeah, the Yeffy bit and the and the and, and this bit and i was like wait a minute those aren't clips from this show this show no no they're not <laughs> that we're reviewing that's that's clips from the other show that were that would have been among my favorite clips for the season actually 
So people should go watch 10 Dead Rats. And um, I don't know if I'm just repeating what you just said, but of course, Paul is now wrapping that campaign tomorrow night. So Monday night. Uh, it was meant to do it last week, and one of the players got sick, unfortunately. So that campaign will be wrapping up tomorrow night on Monday. Yeah. I want to call out um, episode 26, Content Generators. Uh, that yeah. was a really interesting episode, I think. And I'm just looking at the description and the long list of online tools that got posted in the description of that video is just uh, that alone is very exciting to me of all these uh, great uh, resources that exist for, um, you know, generating random content to go into your game. And then, of course, we discussed how to incorporate that and, uh, you know, when when to roll it and when to, uh, you know, when to make stuff up. Which, uh, which I think also fed into our design dash, right? There's, there's a lot of discussion in the design dash about when do we just make stuff up versus when do we switch to the tables. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, the content generators was was one of our most watched episodes of the year, actually. And if you're if you're new to the channel and you haven't seen that, that was episode 26 this season. And there's a lot of value there. There was stuff that that I didn't know about before I started researching it. A lot of great suggestions from our viewers and our patrons on our Discord server. Um, and you know, you think about when I started in the in the industry, right? The way that you create content is radically different now, and in some ways, much much easier for getting a map or drawing something or sharing stuff online or getting names um, is radically different and much much easier for those things that are you know a little bit of a hassle not enormously creatively fun to come up with um and that that has made the job of preparing for a game much much easier yeah yeah absolutely totally agree i mean i'm frankly um i would call out um uh matt finch's books um of course i, I always I always get this wrong uh so uh, i'm gonna stumble here while i try to look up the the actual the link that we post is to uh something called the tome of adventure design and i always get that wrong because it used to be four separate books and then they got recombined into one um i think it was adventure design toolkit or something like that when i had them uh or the ones that i have which is the original broken apart ones uh great that 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 book or those books however you want to call it, uh, definitely <laughs> changed how I build adventures, I would say. Uh, and just, of course just, we I, had, just, uh, there... I was gonna say just from the, right. from the high level of like, like what kind of questions do you need to ask first, right? Like, is it, are you going to start with the hook? Are you going to start with the monster? Um, are you going to start with, um, uh, there was something else I can't remember. <laughs> uh, the location, right? The, that's uh, the, yeah, you know. Right. I think that's how we how we did the dungeon design dash is we just random right. generated a title and that was just so yep. flavorful that it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just a It's really amazing how when you do get creatively blocked, just the tiniest the tiniest little bit of uh, inspiration or a name or some wording can get you running in a direction you hadn't yeah. thought of before. Um, yeah. 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 You know, it, it, okay, so I, I apologize for saying it again. So I was reading a little bit of, uh, of of Anne Rice this morning, and she said she would constantly get creatively blocked, and she would just go read the first page of Stephen King's Firestarter. And every time, huh. that one, that every it. single time, that one page would give her some idea, and she'd go and be, be writing her next novel at that point. 
Wow. So it's, it's amazing how little you need to get started. Yeah. 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 And of course, like, talking about it, Matt Finch, we had we had him on this season yeah. in episode twenty one, and that was a that was That's a true. great yep. interview. Uh, such a great uh, ambassador for the hobby, well spoken, super thoughtful, super knowledgeable about what he's doing. And of course, when Matt was on, we talked about uh, his swords and wizardry, uh, you know, old school gaming rules, as well as his old school primer that was very influential for a lot of people in the OSR movement. And I, I, you know, and I get to challenge him at least once on, you know, did he push the argument too far? And he was very, uh, you know, very wise about the context that he was doing it in, actually. So that was yeah. that was a great episode, too, interviewing. That, we wanted to get Matt on for a long time, and I'm very happy we finally yeah. got him on in season three here. I mean, when, when you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, or more than 10 years ago, when I was uh, kind of first getting into old school D&D and I ran my first campaign of it, I had a lot of players who had no background in, in old school stuff at all. And so his old school primer is something that I always had printed copies of. I had hard printed copies of. So if someone new knew, joined my campaign, I would hand it to them and say, read this. This is this will give you an idea of what it is you're getting yourself into. Um, and so that was, uh, that was really important for me. And I thought it was super cool to talk to him with this kind of retrospective of like 10 years later, what still holds up, right? Because it was, it was pre-fifth, I think, right? It was pre-fifth edition that he wrote that? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So very interesting to hear him talk about what uh, you know, what changed and what uh, what he would do differently, how he would pose it differently Definitely. now versus back Definitely. versus uh, how he did back then. When when we spoke to him briefly at uh, at TotalCon <laughs> once, he he mentioned it might be an idea to possibly update that for the current era, um, but he he has so many projects going on. Um, I'm not sure I would advise him to, to put that at the top of the priority list. Frankly, it's a great, yeah. it's already a great yeah. document. So you know, do do your other stuff. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Speaking of TotalCon, uh, uh, looking forward. If you don't mind me switching tra tracks here a little bit, looking forward, I am hoping that that will be the convention that I finally return to live conventions with. That'll be in February up here in Massachusetts. You know, uh, if the world. Uh, moves in a generally positive direction, uh, <laughs> right? And I'm hoping, you know, I was I was hoping to get to Carnage on the Mountain in November, and that did not happen. Um, so now my target is TotalCon in February. So uh, it'll be nice to get out to conventions again. We haven't done that in a super long time. Correct. Correct. Definitely. Yeah. I'll have yeah, to. I'll, I'll, it might, it might take a while to get back to running <laughs> games in person. I'm like, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I remember how to do that with like paper and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if not, wild. certainly we have our own HelgaCon uh, coming up in April, um, which which is a smaller group and is friends only, and so there's a bit more, bit easier of a thing to commit to. Um, so hopefully we'll get, uh, hopefully in season four we'll see an episode live from HelgaCon like we did in season one. Is that the last time we did that? Did we do that in season two? I don't remember, but. Um... Probably crazy. not, right? I, I feel like I feel like it's been canceled at least two years running. So I bet the last time you saw that was season one. Is that right? You're right. Okay, so right. Season season one actually slightly wrapped two years, which is why I get confused about it. So you're right. There's a there's a there's an interview with us. There's a self interview in season one from HelgaCon of 2019. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, let me, uh, okay, so there's a couple things that, that I wanted to call back because things that have come up or I've discovered uh, since we did the episode. Uh, I guess I have three of them. And of course, the season is going to be complete unless we, we inject at least one awkward cultural issue. Um, so here it comes for our retrospective. The very first episode of the season, right, episode one of the season was on barbarians. And, you know, occasionally we do an episode on a particular uh, subclass, as you'd call it, first edition style. And we still have a number that we want to dig into. So the thing that I wanted to point out is at some point this year, I, I heard chatter that there, there is a there. There are some people that feel that the name barbarians should be changed, that because that's that's a term of othering, that's a term that one culture uses to refer to another, that that might be inappropriate, and perhaps the name barbarian should be taken out of the game, and possibly replaced with something like berserker, which is a word that say the the Norse would actually refer to their own people. Uh, what do, you, do you have any, any initial thoughts about that, Paul? Um, yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I don't know if this is, is true or just a silly, um, uh, you know, rumor that's floated around, but I seem to recall that the origin of the word barbarian is that, isn't it, isn't it Greek for not Greek? I, okay. Now what I heard was the origin <laughs> of the barbarian was, was either Greeks or Romans, uh, referring to Germanic people as speaking mm. in a voice that to them sounds like bar 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 bar. Oh, interesting. <laughs> was was I heard? Oh goodness! <laughs> I oh, think maybe goodness. I had a Latin teacher that told me that. Maybe <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Okay, well, this may all be uh, complete fallacy because uh, I don't know where I picked <laughs> up the, the 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 Greek for not Greek. Either way, we agree it was used for one culture to out or, or push aside another or others. Okay, so so we have a debate going in the chat right now. So Eric Worldbender is saying the same thing that I just said, and John Miller, <laughs> who is very, very learned, is agreeing with Paul. So frankly, um, <laughs> if John Miller says it, that immediately puts a little bit more credence on it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, and, um, and, and yet more research to do. Look at that. <laughs> I, just made, I just made more work for myself. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> tough, though, because culturally, um, the word barbarian, I feel like, um, I mean, you know, you've like the, the thing that comes to mind for me immediately is Conan the Barbarian, right? And like you're, you're right? in 1980s Schwarzenegger film. Uh, and it just seems kind of, and then there was a whole glut of barbarian movies, right? I remember mm -hmm. the Barbarian Brothers, yeah. which was uh, pretty awful, but yeah. uh, exists, and you can watch that. Uh, <laughs> but there was a whole glut of kind of knockoff Conan knockoff movies around around the, that time in the eighties, and that was barbarians were cool. Um, so I don't know, uh, but is the the origin of the word problematic? That's fascinating. What an interesting debate. Right. I don't right. mind berserker. And, That's also a good word in my in my head. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, eh, I guess there's you know, it you fits, call berserker, right? So it fits and it fits the like the, the third edition, third, fourth, fifth edition trope where barbarians have that rage power as their essential power. Before that it wouldn't have been appropriate because actually first edition barbarians didn't have a rage power. There was a barbarians mm -hmm. and berserkers were separate things. And when when Gygax wrote up statistics for Conan, he, he didn't have a rage power. You don't see Conan in the literature going nuts. 
He's he's like a, he's a ferocious, cunning warrior. Um, so, but but in in the fourth in the in the current fifth edition D and D trope, that would be a, a legitimate name. On the other hand, I don't know if you want to put up John Miller's last comment there, because um, John had some suggestions for possible replacements. Uh, I'm making Paul juggle about 18 things today. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you. Why don't you read it all for us, Stan? Uh, so John's suggestions here are either quote savages or quote primitive screwheads could work as replacements for barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll toss it on the idea pile. We'll put it on the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen this, but I remember uh, a time when when. Uh, people like to push on the notion that barbarians hated magic or distrusted magic to the point of a uh, typical role play trope I remember seeing is the player of the barbarian would intentionally try to seize control of magic items from the party in order to destroy them. Like that was the goal as a barbarian. In first, in first edition, <laughs> they explicitly got XP awards for doing that. There you go. It's, ba and, it's baked mechanically. And, and a role. lot of static from the rest of the party, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. yes. Nice, nice way to inject some real uh, animosity amongst your players. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For I don't know, and players are always fighting over magic items anyway. That's already baked in. Is that players are going to, you know, everybody wants the magic items, but to have somebody who wants them simply so they can destroy them, it's uh, the extra galling. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm pulling up. Uh, I'm grabbing my my BX rules here because there's a great uh, piece of artwork uh, from Errol Otis. Uh, is it in here or is it in the expert rules? Here it is. Uh, so when, when you say that, Paul, I always think of this yeah. piece of art from Errol yep. Otis. That like he's, a, a whole half page dedicated specifically to fighting over magic items. Of course, <laughs> it's a, it's Errol is about the best classic, artist to do uh, that, right? D and D uh, trope fight over magic items. I got two. Okay, uh, I got two other things I wanted to touch back on. If it's okay, so if you go to the callbacks folder, pick up mm -hmm. pick up either of the other two things, and I'll just we'll just start chatting about it. Okay, here you go. Okay. What's this? So fingers. I'm looking at fingers. This is a screenshot. The fingers belong to John Peterson. <laughs> So the fingers belong to our friend John Peterson. And uh, this is from his video on YouTube uh, titled 12 Treasures of D&D History. And uh, that is what he, uh, a document that he calls the Mournard Fragments, which is an, a pre-publication draft of D&D. And the pencil marks at the top are annotations from Gygax about things that were going to change when D&D mm -hmm. actually got published. And this popped out at me because uh, a month or two back, Paul, you and I did an episode on trading magic which was episode 40 of the season. And we both agreed, I think the question came up, should there be magic shops? Should you be able to just wander around into a shop and buy, I think I actually, on the episode, I asked about magic arrows uh, or magic weapons. And, and, mm -hmm. and your response, remind me what your response was to that? Of magic arrows specifically? Yeah. Or just magic weapons? Can I just walk into magic a store and buy magic weapons? Kind of Basically, I'm pretty sure my response was something along the lines of "Hell no." Um. Okay. So in this pre-draft <laughs> of D and D at the top, right? This is this is for wilderness adventures using the outdoor survival map, and there's a couple of communities. And the page right before this, you'd roll a d6 uh, for the size of the community, and a one, it's a teeny tiny hamlet. 
two through five, it's a village of some size, and six is a walled town. And the, the first full sentence there, uh, which got cut out of published D&D, says smallest villages will have nothing to buy, right? Middle-sized places will have fair probabilities of having standard mounts, magic swords, and arrows, and standard-type mounts. The same is true of gems for sale, and wall towns will have all standard items for sale, some unusual ones, and a dragon market in which to sell your catch. So at one point, it was actually part dragon of the market. rules that any, right? Fascinating. Okay. okay. Right? Yeah. Yep. So at some point, at some initial uh, date, it was planned to have as a core part of the rules that even middle-sized villages, you'd be able to just buy magic swords and arrows uh, just like and you're is, buying is, horses. Isn't that fascinating? And is the, anno is the annotation Gygax saying, nope, we're not doing that? Like, I can't. I can't uh, no, it. actually, well. uh, nope. On this, uh, there's just a header there of what what, se what the section title was going to be. It was going to be called uh, uh, The Great Outdoors Section. And the book the book itself was was going to be called People and Perils, um, mm -hmm. which, which got turned into... You know, the uh, underworld and out and wilderness adventures, I think is what volume three was called. Uh, but this, that section isn't in published D&D. So at some point, that particular part delete. Almost everything you're also looking at is is verbatim in original D&D, just like but, it's written but there. But no, that paragraph did get cut. No indication of, the, of whether or not that paragraph got cut because they disagreed with it or just it was too long and they needed to get the page count down or something, right? Like, don't actually know why. Yeah, okay. agreed. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me when we talk about a dragon market, uh, and I feel this got called out in some episode, and I can't even remember which, so uh, 10 points to Dan if you can tell me which episode this is from. Uh, we called out the author Joel Rosenberg, uh, who wrote the series of books uh, called the Guardian of Flame series, which was about the trope mm -hmm. of players, a, a group of, of RPG players from the real world getting sucked into the fantasy world and discovering it's all real. Uh, and there's a whole bit in that of them actually going to a slave market where a dragon is put up for sale. Um, and, uh, and, and specifically one of the players um, going and, and secretly freeing that dragon from its bonds and then and then classic sort of classic D and Dism there of like I did something so horrific that uh, we're never going to be welcome back in this town again, so we need to get the hell out of here. Right, <clears throat> right. Um, and also uh, fairly indicative of the obsession around slavery in early D and D because you have uh, yes, uh, that I mean that whole series of books is is about uh, dealing with oh my gosh this world includes slavery that's wrong <laughs> and. Um, yep. You know, and then you have like the slavers modules. It, it was a thing. It was a thing in the eighties. They they thought it was pretty cool to be anti-slavery, which I mean, I guess is still pretty cool. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I, I support that. I support that policy. <laughs> Hard not to support that one. To be clear. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, but maybe also um, we don't need as many um, as much, as much uh, representation of slavery in our games as, uh, as we felt like we did back then. But regardless of how you feel about that, uh, um, uh, Dan, when did we mention Joel Rosenberg and why? Any idea? Well, you know, we, we, you know, we mentioned him more than once, actually. So, uh, so, so the problem I'm having, Paul, is that we've mentioned him so much. I don't know which episode <laughs> to talk about, but uh, 
like like I bet I met I bet I even mentioned him in the Trading Magic episode episode forty because honestly uh, the Guardians of the Flame books at least the very first book it was an important part of the world building that you could actually go and just buy healing potions um, and uh, they uh, you know early on they lose their cleric soon when they go into the fantasy world good for Joel of course that's the right thing to do. Uh, to, to make a really satisfying narrative. Uh, but then there's a bunch, you know, you can basically buy healing potions when you want to, to make up for it. So that's, I think I probably mentioned that in the Trading Magic episode. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, sadly, uh, my, my quick uh, research here tells me that uh, Joel Rosenberg did pass away in 2011. So we will not be seeing him on this show, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Yeah, my favorite thing about those books, I remember those books very fondly as a kid, and my favorite thing was just that trope of being, of, of like, you know, the, basically the D&D cartoon, right, of, of kids in the real world getting sucked into the fantasy world. I always kind of wanted to roleplay that, but it never really landed. It feels a little too meta. What do you think? Have you ever tried to try to game that is like roleplay yourself getting sucked into the fantasy world? That's a good question. I guess I have not. I guess I have not. It seems a little bit, I mean, and, and clearly people were doing that early on, like what we're told that's like among Dave Arneson's very first role-playing games is that was the, um, that was the trope, but it seems it's, it's been done so much and yeah. I wouldn't want, and admittedly, I don't think I would want to restrict my players to just being them. And I don't think that I would want to go, on record as like here's what i think your statistics are i don't think i would want to do that frankly. So, <laughs> uh, that is a good point yeah probably yeah. don't want to stat your friends that's uh <laughs> yeah. i don't know maybe <laughs> physically like here's a set of weights everybody come in do your max do oh. your max rep and i'm going to write that down on a piece of paper and that's your strength i don't <laughs> that's hilarious i mean of course the way Ro rosenberg did it is that that there were these fantasy bodies that they were inhabiting so that they were i mean i think one of the characters actually in the book is in the real world is a paraplegic and then ends up mm -hmm. as a muscular dwarf in the game um so it plays plays with that a little bit i don't know it's such a classic trope right you draw the lines all the way back to like paul anderson right i, I feel like yeah. uh you know or there's a definitely, little bit of you know, wizard of oz or all kinds of, it's just, it's just yeah. a classic trope. I feel like I want to play it somehow. Now, okay, I'll say that, so I, I so we hope to have a number of, you know, so uh, we, we have had such great guests in the last couple of seasons, including season three, and, you know, they, they get, uh, uh, you know, really, really good viewership ratings for us, frankly. So um, without that being the entirety of the show, we want to keep doing that. One of the people that I'm really hoping uh, to get on in uh, season four is the comic uh, writer, uh, Kieran Gillen, uh, who has worked on uh, Warhammer and I think Starcraft and Thor and, um, you know, started with, with indie comics, obviously. Um, and one of the things that has won all kinds of awards in the last year or two is his series called Die, D-I-E. And it's entirely about a fantasy world that has crossover points with the real world. And the entire, it does in fact begin with a group of players um, coming back, coming back together after many years of having played in high school and then being catapulted into their fantasy world and struggling to make sense of that and struggling to, uh, you know, the fact that they're not kids, they still have ties and family members and kids in the real world 
that they're worried about protecting um, and has all kinds of uh, wonderful ties to classic literature, like um, the, all the kinds of things that we love. He just wrapped that series. Uh, so to be clear, so the Die series, uh, hint, hint, has exactly 20 issues in it. Um, and he just wrapped that series and uh, we're hoping to have uh, him on in season four. And he's made an RPG for it. He's made the official Die RPG that, that he wow. himself personally has crafted uh, and is hoping to, has like a, a, a beta version online that you can look for and is hoping to do a Kickstarter for that next year. So, so there is a Die RPG that's specifically about that and even has, you know, a bunch of, to me, new school narrative control stuff in it. So you might consider that. He's done, play, he's done live plays on YouTube. So you might see if that is something you might want to try out, actually. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll definitely check that out. That's yeah. fascinating. I mean, it feels like uh, I may have just struck a, struck a vein here of a, of a f topic for a future episode with just you and I, Dan, because uh, uh, the, the trope of, like, uh, real world sucked into the fantasy world like I just, it just keeps more and more examples just keep flooding into my head. Maybe it'd be interesting to devote a whole episode to that. What do you think? I, I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. And the fact that I haven't <laughs> played that is probably something we should try. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm writing that down there that's so i don't forget <laughs> right quick edit uh, for those who don't know yeah dan and i do have a list of of uh uh topic ideas many of which did not make it <laughs> uh for, for various Correct. reasons time or just uh yeah weren't very good <laughs> <laughs> or seemed good one day and then another day we're like ah we got we have other things we're more excited about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. I mean, frankly, we you know there's a there's a call out at the end of the show where I always try to encourage uh, discussion in the comments of the videos um, because frankly I think that's the the origin of our best shows is is from viewer feedback is either viewers asking specific questions or or adding an example to a thing or, or giving a take on something that we never even considered. Um, so, so definitely, I, I continue to like to lean on our viewers to uh, supply us with ideas for for the show because uh, definitely uh, it's always been good stuff. I think always been good stuff. I think, in definitely. fact, uh, wasn't the the was the magic items one that was a viewer suggestion? I want to say the correct yes, the trading magic items was uh, from a viewer suggestion. Unfortunately, the the person I'm, I'm blanking out on the name right at the moment. I'm terribly sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that made it for a wonderful, wonderful conversation, and it's not something I would have thought would have been an hour's an hour's worth of content without uh, without someone uh, grabbing us by the lapels and uh, shaking us a bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I want to I want to jump before before we uh, run out of time. We were talking about barbarians earlier. Um, now, I think the the reason that show came about is we have originally we've done shows on the on the four classes that came in OD and D, right? We've done a, a fighters and a thieves yeah. and a clerics and a, a magic users uh, episode, and then we started to branch out from there and started to do subclasses, right? We started to go into first edition subclasses, and we talked about barbarians and uh, some of the other ones. I'm curious. Talk about bards. What have we? Yep, we talked about bards. Talk about this bards. Yep. 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 I seem to remember that kind of dovetailed into the um, 
the interview with uh, Satine Phoenix and Jameson Stone with their their product mm -hmm. Battle of the Bards. Um, what have we missed? What what subclasses have we not done yet that still are on the list that we can look forward to? In, yeah, uh, well, surprisingly many. Um, I think uh, so. Uh, druids, uh, you know, first edition had a, had an illusionist class uh, that we haven't talked about. Um, assassins. Um, uh, what else from first edition? Um, cavaliers would be a possibility. Uh, first edition had acrobat. acrobats. Right, yeah, acrobat. Yeah. That's an important part of the D and D cartoon. Um, <laughs> so probably a couple other ones that I'm. Yeah. So that's. I think that's. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones that are. Okay, rangers, paladins. Okay, rangers. Well, my God, what, what's wrong with me? It's a giant list. <laughs> there is. There is. We should. We should try to tackle some more of those because uh, I think those are good episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Surprising amount of meat, and of course, you know the, the the roots of it come from there's you know actual literature, mythology traditions, which is what gets my juices flowing, and I feel really makes for a, a deeper game, if they're not purely game mechanical constructs that are just fiddling numbers around. Mm -hmm. So I like those episodes a lot. Yeah. yeah now before we get out, so I I, I so one one uh, person that we've had on a couple times this season alone, of course, that I have to give an enormous uh, shout out to is my partner Isabel, who of course uh, lives with me here. Um, when we do our um, our Saturday night uh, wargaming book of war, of course, she is my um, respected opponent. Saturday <laughs> nights, we we just did episodes. We had a little bit of a hiatus because she's been really busy with her acting. Um, uh, we just did episode seventeen of that last night. Um, I'll let you watch it. I'll, I'll let you watch. If you watch, if you were there last night and you watched it, you know what happened, and it was. Um, Decisive. I'll just I'll say it was a decisive. It was a decisive and dramatic game. Um, we 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 start. We always start off like really polite, and then about an hour into it, we're just cursing at each other. And then we get warnings from the YouTube system about like uh, this is not a good episode. This is not a good show for ads because it's just completely obscenity filled. Which, <laughs> really get that which, warning? That's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, I know. This is fine. I, I, you know, they say how, how, you know, what's the level for ads? I go, well, this is fine. And then it's like, nope, it's not. It's it's got too many obscenities <laughs> in it. And I'm like, thanks YouTube. Okay. Um, oh jeez. Uh, but um, so we will, uh, and, and that 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 is coming. That season is coming down to the wire. So we are currently at eight and a half games to seven and a half games because we've even had draws, which I didn't think was possible initially. And we are planning to do a tiebreaker to fix the half issue, and then come back and New Year's Eve we're going to play one more game, and that's probably going to decide the season right there. Uh, we oh, also had Isabel okay. on uh, episode seven of the season for Eat, Plague, Love, where Isabel and I did a combined Valentine's Day and COVID episode, which is about <laughs> which is about how we would do things like that. So a whole episode about Valentine's Day plus plagues. And then Excellent. in episode Excellent. 22, we brought her back for art in D&D. And we, we covered D&D uh, &D art in the 1980s. And of course, she has a master's in fine arts. Uh, in uh, in sculpture, actually. So she's very, very knowledgeable about that. Big thanks to Isabel. And, uh, you know, uh, she, w among the reasons why she's been busy lately is she's been, been doing a lot of acting and a short thriller film 
that she stars in was just put up on YouTube. It's called A Perfect Daughter, or The Perfect Daughter, I should say. If you look for that on YouTube, uh, it's directed by uh, 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 Elijah Rodriguez. It's not the 2016 Lifetime movie of the same name. So if you're going to search for it, search for The Perfect Daughter by Elijah Rodriguez, and you're going to see uh, what is a, a marvelous. It just It's really an amazing, it's an amazing short thriller that kept me on the edge of my seat. So people should go look at that if you've been missing Isabel on the channel. Awesome. Awesome. So, so glad that she was uh, reinvited back into the, back into the uh, right? wandering games fold. <laughs> yeah, she was on the outs for a while. She was definitely, she was on the outs for a while for, for, for strong opinions about certain first edition art. Um, and thanks for, <laughs> thanks to her for, for voicing that. Uh, but she's been back and she's uh, enormously, enormously valuable when you get some of her time. So thanks to her for that. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we just have a few minutes left, Dan. Any final thoughts on season three? Uh, you know, great season. Again, uh, for some of us, it's been uh, it's been difficult. Obviously, the world is not exactly like it's what what it's been. And as I think William said a couple minutes back, out. What is what is this out that you talk about? So uh, we've been making the best of it, and uh, you know, I am super glad that that. Uh, we have this project together, Paul. I can't thank you enough for uh, being part of my life and uh, uh, you know being the other half of Wandering DMs. And to all of our viewers and everybody who's a patron and gets involved in the Discord server has really made uh, my life uh, much richer at this time than uh, if we didn't all have this together. So I can't be more thankful for the season that we've had. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with that more, Dan. I'm super glad that we get to do this 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 silly project that began with just an excuse for Dan and Paul to talk once a week. Uh, so uh, continues uh, to uh, hit that target in spades. So well done. <laughs> 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 um, but also, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree that unexpected benefits include uh, our after our after show chat. Love that. So we, we got a kind of a regular regular group uh, showing up uh, week after week to discuss a little bit more in detail at the end of the show over Discord. Uh, definitely recommend anyone who hasn't joined in on one of those to come on over. It's, it's a good time. Um, and uh, though I am ultimately, I will say, I'm hoping, looking forward into season four, I would like, if if the world will allow it, I would like to see a little more wandering <laughs> in the wandering DMs. Uh, that was always a thing that we were into, uh, whether it was going to local game conventions or, um, you know, hiking the, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the mountain range you were on, Dan. It was... Um, the... the <laughs> <laughs> the, the Andes, right? The Andes, right? The Andes. That's a, that's in Peru, right? Yeah, uh, up at uh, Machu Picchu, uh, we did some wanderings yeah. in season one. That's that's uh, that's on yeah. the channel, and um, and you know, I think we could do them a lot better. The thing is, we were just yeah. we were we, it's like baby episode baby episodes of wandering DMs, and so I feel like we could do them a lot better now too. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, um, and we, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we'll get back out there. Hopefully, you'll hopefully season yeah. four will include some episodes of us out in the wilderness or uh, on the convention floor of a, of a game convention. That's my hope for season four. We'll and see. you know, we we are always you know we we did not do a uh, uh, a, a series of the big bad in in twenty twenty one. So our right, like the, which which is my favorite project of all time that we've done. 
Uh, we did that simultaneously with our season two back in 2020. And we were in the planning stages before, uh, you know, the quarantine hit and things like that. Um, and we didn't have an opportunity to do that this past year, but we would certainly both like to maybe retune it a little bit and uh, and do some more of that because that's the the single best project I ever did. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, everyone who was on that show uh, was was uh, very excited for a rematch. So hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we can make that happen. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> Well, viewers, uh, that about wraps it up for us. That is the end of season three of Wandering DMs. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Um, if you have any favorite moments from season three that we missed, uh, please uh, drop us some comments in the video here on YouTube. Or if you have things you'd love to see in season four, let us know. Uh, again, I think some of our best episodes come from viewer suggestions. So uh, please drop us a line. Yeah, we, de we absolutely. And of course, if you happen to be new to the show, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and also GitHub if you're a coder. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. for look. So look for us there for updates on upcoming shows. We are, um, if you, <laughs> we are, if you prefer to listen to the show in audio only podcast format, you can do so. Uh, I'm a little behind in pushing those out, but hopefully the upcoming hiatus from uh, doing the live show will give me some, some cycles to finish out season three and get that up online. Uh, so you can get those podcasts if you want them at our website at wanderingdms.com or through various uh, podcast carriers such as Google Podcast and Spotify and iTunes. If you're listening to us, uh, right now on one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us there. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we, we very much do. And of course, huge thanks to our patrons who support the show uh, this season and prior seasons. Uh, if you are in a position and would like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. And again, you're going to see three different tiers there, and you can get discounts on our merch, access to a private Discord server, uh, we do monthly behind-the-scenes videos, polls, and surveys of some sort. For example, we just released a new breakfast briefing uh, in the last week, as a matter of fact. So you can see that. And also after-party chat that Paul was talking about on Discord, and we will be having that in just about 10 minutes right after this show. Uh, don't forget that Paul is wrapping up the 10 Dead Rats uh, two-year campaign tomorrow, Monday night. Uh, then we're, the channel is going on hiatus. Uh, the next thing we'll plan to do after that is our New Year's Eve uh, uh uh, brutality, uh, Book of War war game, uh, and then we'll be back in the next season for season four. I think that's it, right? I got that right, right, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I uh, just want to hit on the on the patron side of things. Uh, remember, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Thank that the, the output of Dungeon Design Dash uh, is going to be available very soon to patrons, um, and that's available independently for sale on DriveThruRPG for a dollar. But why not become a $1 patron instead and get it for free? Why not? What a value! We must, we must be crazy, Paul. <laughs> must be, must be. <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll be doing more uh, in the in the in the future. And if you're a patron, then uh, there'll be additional ones. WDMO two and WDMO three coming down the pipeline after that. What a, okay. what, a what a bargain! Um, well, so yeah, thanks everybody for this uh, really great season and all the comments and chat really uh, make our days and our weeks uh, so much better. So we can't uh, thank everybody enough. 
you don't forget, you know, our standard talk show is uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so we hope that you'll join us again next season for more thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.